0: And I'm going to be talking about a limitless God, because we are saying that 2019 is a limitless 2019. Amen? Can can I get a better amen? And uh, we've been saying and declaring that we're going to experience limitless in every part of our lives. Amen? And I want to declare over you, as I said before, that this is going to be the best year of your life. Would you look at three people right now and just speak this over them and say, I declare that 2019 is going to be the best year of your life in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. I want us to just think about two things this morning as we, as we contemplate the limitlessness of God. Number one, I want to talk to you about the bigness of our, of our God, that we don't serve a small God. And number two, if we're going to experience limitless power, you have to know that there is power that resides on the inside of you. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's according to Ephesians 3 and 20, and we'll get there in due time. But I'll never forget, Pastor Fred always used to tell me about this African uh, apostle who was a great man of God, Apostle Nicholas Bengu. And part of his phrase, what he would always say, he stood like I think over six foot, kind of like almost my height, and, uh, and he would say, and he would say, I serve a big God. I, you know, in his probably African language, I serve a big God. Would you look at somebody this morning and tell them, like Nicholas Bengu, I serve a big God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Lift your hands and say, I serve a limitless God who desires to do limitless things through my life. Say it one more time. Right across the campuses, I serve a limitless God who desires to do limitless things through my life. Amen. So what does the word limitless mean? It, limitless simply means the, uh, uh, to, something that has no end. It means without end. It means without boundaries, and it means without borders. Limitless without end and actually without borders, without boundaries. That it, in other words, it cannot be confined. And we need to understand that God is infinite, right? Which simply means that He is limitless. And to say that we have an infinite and limitless God simply means four things that I'm going to share with you today, all right? To say that we serve an infinite and limitless God means the following. Number one, number one, that there is no time limitation with this God that we serve. Can I get a better amen this morning? All right. In other words, what I'm saying is that time is not an issue with God. Time might be an issue with you, and when you go, go to your dental appointment, how many of you know time is important? When you go to the lawyers to meet the attorneys, time is important, but time is not an issue with God. As a matter of fact, He is never early and never late. He is always on time, and yet He is never limited. He is not limited by time. In other words, we serve a God who is not bound by space or time. Here's a scripture that I want to read to you, Isaiah 57 and 15, and I want us to pay attention to probably the first two lines that says, for thus says the high and lofty one who who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. If you have your Bibles, maybe you need to underline that, I don't know. Maybe you need to circle that word, eternity, hallelujah. Because it says there, thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. Would you look at somebody and tell them, my God inhabits eternity. In other words, for somebody to inhabit eternity means that he works in the past, he can work in the present, and he can work in the future. Hallelujah. God, your God, is the only person that can go to your past to correct something that is affecting your today and then can also go into your future to prepare something for you and then come back to your present to get you ready for the thing he's prepared in the future. If, I, if you agree with that, I need you to say amen. Hallelujah. But you see, limitless and infinite is a concept that our minds cannot fully grasp right? Because our minds, our reasoning, our thinking, all of that are finite. And to be limitless means you are infinite. And you cannot quantize the principle of infiniteness, infinity, whatever it is, whatever that word is, my mind cannot grasp it. You cannot put a principle or a formula in your mind because our minds are finite. Hallelujah. And also, not only that, but to top it off, how many of you know, we live in a very real and physical world, and we experience life through our physical senses. You are seeing me today with your physical eyes. You're hearing me with your physical ears. We can touch with our hands. We can smell with our noses, and the reality is that we live in a very physical world, and in that physical world, there are four known dimensions. And those dimensions are length, Every, something has length, it has width, it has height, and there is also the element of time. So we talk about space and time. And the God of the Bible is the creator of the physical universe in which time and space exist. But it means that He is not dependent upon either for His own existence. It's quite, it's quite, it's quite hard for us to to conceive. But actually, God transcends them, and God is independent of space and time. And yet, according to Scripture, He can also step into space and time and manifest Himself in our world. The psalmist said in Psalm 139, David said in verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there as well. In addition, not only that, but if we think about Jesus, that when he was born, he was God wrapped up in human flesh. He entered this human physical world wrapped up in human flesh. The Bible says, John 1.1, 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with us, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. So, according to the Scriptures, we see that it's possible for God to be the creator of time and space and also to be independent of it, and also to come in and actually to live in the space and time that exists. Hallelujah. And the spirit realm, we know, that is the realm that where God lives. God is spirit, is he not? God is spirit. And so we know that there's a very real realm, more real than the natural, more real than the physical. It's the spirit realm, and the spirit realm is the realm beyond the natural all right? It means that it is not governed, not limited by the physical laws and dimensions that govern our world. And so when Jesus came to earth, he came as a human being wrapped up in a physical body. And in that body, he was subject to all the natural physical things of emotions, pain, suffering, and death. And we have four gospels, but all of them accurately record the events of his his life. And then of him being in Gethsemane and the sweating of, dro- of drops of blood, and then of him being uh, whipped and his beard being plucked, and then of him being crucified on the cross. And, and then we also have the testimony of him being put into a tomb after the crucifixion. But we know that three days later, by the power of the Holy Ghost, he was raised back to life, even though that tomb was heavily guarded by a detachment of Roman gods. Hallelujah. And then we know that at the end of these three days, there was a tremendous commotion as all of the universe responded to what was happening. But that same evening, the Bible tells us in John 20, verse 19, that the disciples gathered in a room because they were fearful of the Jews. And it says there, verse 19, in the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut... Where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. In other words, this beloved teacher, this beloved Savior, whom they had seen killed and buried in a tomb, suddenly materialized inside of a locked room and greeted them. And just to make sure that he was Jesus and he was who he said he was, he showed them the nail prints in his hands and his side that had been pierced by the spear. Hallelujah. So what I'm trying to tell you is that this resurrected Jesus was no longer bound by physical factors. In other words, he effortlessly entered a closed room and revealed himself to his disciples. And then uh, uh, we, we, we see that he again defied his, this, this, the, the material uh, part when he revealed himself to doubting Thomas. Again he came and materialized in front of them, all right, in his glorified body. And then to top it up, uh, a day later, what did he do? He defied gravity and ascended on high in the sight of all of his disciples. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What am I trying to tell you today? That we serve a limitless God. Isaiah 57, 15 says that he inhabits eternity. Hallelujah. If you inhabit eternity, means you are infinite, means you serve a limitless God. Can you say praise the Lord? If you read the epistles, we see there that actually the Bible says that we were saved and called with a holy calling before time began, 2 Timothy 1 and 9. Before time began, God saw you and recognized you and called you with a holy calling. So in other words, we serve a God in which there is no time limitation with God. Bump your neighbor and say, there's no time limitation with God. He is limitless. He is limitless and wants to express his limitlessness through you. Can you say praise the Lord? Amen. Amen. Not only that, but in Titus 1 and 2, it says that we have eternal life that was given before time began. See there, before time began, God had planned all this thing. So he was outside of time. Hallelujah. Can you say praise the Lord? And we see also in Ephesians 1 and 4 that it talks about before the creation, that He chose us in Him. Before the creation, bump your neighbor and say, I serve a God in whom there is no time limitation. Number two, not only is there no time limitation with Him, but number two, there is no power limitation with this God that we serve. In the beginning of this year, I shared how God is our El Gabor. He is omnipotent. All power belongs to Him. There is no power that is equal to the power of God. Every other power in this world, whether it be atomic power, whether it be financial power, whether it be whatever kind of power, thermal power, whether it be wind power, whatever kind of power you want to talk about, there is nothing greater than the power of God. Can I get an amen? amen? And we know that we are living in a very power-crazy, power-hungry world. Everybody wants power. You know, politicians want power. The bankers want power. E- economists want power. People want, their millionaire status is not good enough. I want to be a billionaire. All right? It's power, power, power. But we need to know that all of those powers are subject to the power of God. Amen. Hallelujah. There is a spirit realm, and in the spirit realm, we know that there is the power of darkness and the power of light, and we know for a fact a fact, that the power of light is far greater than the power of darkness. Amen. Can you say amen? amen. Psalm 62, 11 says it like this. God has spoken once, twice, I have heard this, that power belongs to God. Hallelujah. I don't know what power you need. Maybe you need power for your mind. Maybe you need power for your marriage. Maybe you need power for your business. I don't know what kind of power you need. I'm here to tell you this morning that there is no power limitation with the God that we serve. To be a limitless God means that all power is His. Hallelujah. Can I get a bit of amen? Jeremiah the prophet prophesied and said in chapter 32, 17, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power, by your great power an outstretched arm. And then he says here, there is nothing too hard for you. Would you look at somebody right now and tell them, I don't know what you're going through, but there's nothing too hard for God to solve. There's nothing too hard for God to fix. There's nothing too hard for God to turn around. Can I get an amen in this place? He is all power, all might. Praise the Lord. And the wonderful thing is that this same power that describes our God, this same power that WE CAN assur, uh, AFFIRM TO OUR GOD, THAT SAME POWER RESIDES ON THE INSIDE OF YOU. Hallelujah. HALLELUJAH. ACTS 1-8 SAYS, YOU SHALL RECEIVE POWER, AFTER THAT THE HOLY GHOST HAS COME UPON YOU SO THAT YOU CAN BE WITNESSES. TO BE A witness MEANS THAT YOU SEE AND THEN YOU REPORT, HALLELUJAH, HALLELUJAH. 1 John 20 tells us that the anointing or the power abides on the inside of you. And then verse 27 reaffirms that and says, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen today? Ephesians 3.20, New King James says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, I mean, that's a powerful God. And then Paul says, according to the power that works in you. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and say, the same power that God has is the same power that I have. It's not my power, it's God's power, and it abides in me. I have it in Jesus' name. The Amplified says it like this now to him who by, in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us, hallelujah, that power is at work or can I say ready to be working for you the moment you release it, the moment you activate it, the moment that you recognize that greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world, The moment that you believe God and you believe his word and you take his word and you say, I am who God says I am. And I can do what God says I can do. And I have what he says I can have. And so he told me that the power resides on the inside of me. He told me that that anointing abides on the inside of me. And I know that God inhabits eternity. He is a limitless God. Limitless means there is no end. There is no boundary. There is no border. It's not something that I can find, can confine. And all of that power resides on the inside of me. Hallelujah. The Amplified goes on. His power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly. Not just abundantly, super, super abundantly, far over and above all. Far over, far over and above all that we dare. I dare. Bump your neighbor and say, I dare you. I dare you. Come on. I dare you to trust God for His superabundant power. I dare you to think far over and above, far over and beyond, far above and beyond. I dare you. I dare you to break the mold. I dare you to dream big. I dare you to pray big. I dare you to believe God for big things. Hallelujah. Come on, man. Let's dare one another to believe God for big things. Why, Why would you want to think small things? When your God is limitless. Why would you want to downsize when your God is limitless? Why would you want to think stingy and be schnoop? when your God is limitless? Come on in this place. Oh, but the economy. Oh, but my God. Oh, but the government. Oh, but my God. Oh, but the rent. Oh, but my God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, businessman. I want to encourage you this morning. Hallelujah. Don't believe the lie that says money has left South Africa. Who said money doesn't leave the earth? When you die, where does that money go? Stays on the earth. It just transfers to somebody else. Somebody else comes up with an idea. Somebody else, like that Elon Musk, thinks of PayPal. And so somebody that had money now is transferred to Elon Musk because he had a brainwave. He came up with PayPal. Hallelujah. Who's to say that God can't give you a creative idea and all the money that is tied up with some unrighteous man who's made all his money on pornography, come on in this place, and you've come up, you're a righteous man, and you've come up with a godly idea. Who's to say that that money can't be transformed or transferred from that pornographer to you who's righteous? Bump your neighbor and say, all power. All power is in me. My God is limitless, and He desires to do limitless things through my life. Can you say, praise the Lord, Lord. far over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers. What's the biggest prayers that you can pray? There's always one prayer bigger than that. What's, what's one large number that you can think of? There's always one larger number more than what you thought of. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, I, I just feel like some of you, I need to stretch you a little bit. Come on, some of you have been downsizing and downscaling because of the economy. Don't be afraid of the economy. Be afraid of God's economy. Be afraid of when you are disobedient and you don't obey his word and you are living in not in faith but in fear. That's when you need to fear. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the reports and the what the newspapers are saying and what the when this government and that government and I heard in the UK and I heard this in New Zealand. Don't be afraid of all of that. No, you need to be afraid when God stops speaking to you. You need to be afraid when you've stopped praying and stopped serving God. But if your heart is for God and you've come to serve the living God and, and you are for the kingdom and you want to obey the kingdom and fulfill His purpose, you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be afraid. Yeah. Hallelujah. But in neighbor and say, neighbor, you don't need to be afraid. Yeah. Hallelujah. If we serve a limitless God, number three, it means... That there is no people limitation with him. I love this. I love this. Because just when you think you know you're you're the beginning and ending of it all, oh God, what would you do if I was not here? You know, if you you know God if I wasn't here praying. You, oh, you know God if I wasn't in this church. You know what? If you leave the church, God will find five other people that probably are more spiritual, probably more in tune with what he wants to do in and through this ministry. There is no people limitation with God. I started the Bible school in Cape Town many, many years ago. And boy, I mean, it took a lot out of me. I put my heart and soul into that school. And, and, uh, you know, I was literally thrown in the deep end. I mean, I remember when they were building that church and there was a generator going, and there was no windows. Everything was dark, and I had to teach the book of Romans. And the book of Romans is not an easy book to teach. The whole of the New Testament revolves around the book of of Romans. And then the next book that I had to teach was the book of Revelation. I mean, you talk from the fire into the frying pan. What's the thing from the fire into the frying pan? Huh? Is that right? From the frying pan into the fire. Okay. Pray for me, I'm not well. But I mean, I started in Romans and went to Revelation. And I, I tell you, my wife will bear witness, I had all the books on my table. I had all the different theories, you know, the futuristic, prehistoric. I had the Jesus now, the kingdom now. I had all the different things. And I poured my heart and soul into Revelation. And I, and I taught like men. I, I gave it my all. At the end of it, I, I did tell you the story, but let me tell you once again. And so this one guy says, Pastor John, I want to tell you how much I've enjoyed the book of Revelation. And he starts talking, and I'm thinking, I'm, th- I'm saying to myself, praise God. Lord, thank you so much. You know, I mean, I really poured my heart and soul. look, and there's one guy coming, if it was just for him, it was worth it. And he's telling me how his life has changed. And, oh, the book of Revelation. Pastor John, you don't know. I really loved the way that you taught the book of Revelation. And by now, my head was probably five times its size. I was like this, you know. Yes, oh, I'm so good. Yes, Lord. And then he says, You know, and just to show my appreciation of, of, of this book, he says, I've painted you a painting. I'm a painter. I said, Oh, that's wonderful. He said, And actually, I, I'm, I've painted you a, 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 a revelation that I got out of revelation. <laughs> so I thought, Okay, well, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, okay. And so he says, and I, and I want you to have this painting. I, I, it's what it means to me and what this book has done. It's changed my life. Here's the painting. And he turns the painting, and I'm like looking at the painting. I'm looking at him. I'm looking at the painting because I'm, I'm looking at the painting, and it's a beautiful painting of um, sort of from where, you know, Blowbrook Strand, there's Table View, uh, a Table Mountain in the distance, the ocean, the ocean, you know, and then on the, on the seashore, on the seashore, on the sand, he's got like seven seals, the animals, because in Revelation it talks about the seals, but it's not animal seals, it's actually the papers are sealed, and then and then he breaks the seals, and he says, look, pastor, those are the seven seals, or how many seals are there? I don't know how many are, and I'm looking, I'm saying, okay, somewhere along the line, we have... We, there's, something's lost in translation here. And I thought that he was joking. He was honest. I mean, he was as honest. This book has changed my life. Here's the painting. There's the seven seals of revelation. And I went back and I thought, oh, my Lord. But hallelujah, there's no people limitation with God. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 1.27 says, God has chosen the foolish things. Of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things which are not to bring to nothing, the things that are that no flesh should glory in His presence. In other words, when you read that verse, you know that God can use anybody. Look at, look, look at somebody and say, God can use anybody. God can use anybody. I mean, in the Bible, he used a donkey to speak through. He used angels. He used a little boy to break the fish and all of that. I mean, God can use anybody. When you look at David's 400 men, can I read you the Scripture? This is what the Bible says about David's 400. And David found 400 mighty men who were wise, who had an intellect of about, I don't know, an IQ of 200 or whatever, and they all had MBAs, and there was nobody that was distressed, and they were all full of joy. Is that what it says in the Bible? Let's read. Let's read 1 Samuel 22, verse 2, describing David's 400 men, and everyone who was in distress. Oh boy, anybody in distress, you would have qualified for David's army. Everyone who was in debt, anybody in debt this morning, you would have qualified for that. Anyone, everyone who was discontented. Anybody discontented, you would have qualified for David's army. And so he became captain over them, and there was about 400 men with them. <laughs> so David had 400 men who were in distress, who were in debt and discontent. And my question to you this morning is, what's your excuse? God can use anybody. When Jesus came upon the scene of time, he used a bunch of fishermen, many of whom, if not all, had various severe issues. Hello? Amen. How do I know that? Because one time when Jesus spoke about eating his body and drinking his flesh the Bible says they all deserted him. They all left. Hmm. Hallelujah. But how many of you know when you read the Bible, you quickly discover that there was never a shortage of personnel when it comes to God? And, and the amazing thing is that the people that you would have chosen, God would never have chosen. I mean, he used the most unbelievable kind of people, the most the, the the people that you just completely overlooked that you did not recognize that you did not even notice that you disqualified, even God would use. I mean, we look in the Bible, there was Noah. Noah was actually a drunkard. Did you know that? He was a drunkard. We think about Abraham, and he was an old bully, even I mean, there he used a bit of shoe polish, and I think he was just at the hairdresser tinting his hair, but he was actually an old man, unable to have children. And then there was Moses, who was actually a murderer and a a stutterer. He was a murderer and a stutterer. There was Rahab, and what was her profession? She was a prostitute. David, what about David? David was an adulterer and a murderer as well. I'm not saying that you've got to be an adulterer and murderer to qualify for God, but I'm just saying these are the kind of people that God used... And then we think about Jonah, who was a man who tried to run from God. He tried to run from God. And there was Matthew, who worked for SARS. He actually worked for SARS. (laughs) I mean, he did. He was a tax collector. And we think about Saul, who later became Paul, but he was a persecutor and a torturer. He went about torturing people, torturing women, beating women. He was a woman beater. Come on. When, how many of you remember the story of Elijah? When Ahab, who wasn't a good man, was married to not a good wife. How many of you know when a, a a bad man marries a bad wife, bad things are about to happen, right? So Ahab, who wasn't a, he was a wicked king, marries Jezebel. And when he tells Jezebel what Elijah did of how he called fire from heaven... And, and, and fire came down and consumed the offerings. And then that day, they slaughtered all the Baal prophets, the prophets of Baal. And then Ahab, it's amazing, Ahab tells his wife, and this wife utters a few things, and Elijah runs for his life. Amazing, the power that some women have. <laughs> I mean... I mean, I've often read this. I'm thinking, what? what's up, Elijah? She's just a woman, bro. You've, like, you've, you've just murdered. You've just called fire down from heaven. You've, you've slaughtered, I don't know how many prophets of Baal. A woman says like three words, and you run for your life. Go figure. I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to understand. But that's the influence, the power that a woman has. And the woman of God said? So the Bible says that Elijah runs for his life, goes into the wilderness, and he's, a, he's about to commit suicide. But, I mean, a woman says three words, he's ready to commit suicide. I mean, huh, that's the power that a woman has, right? And, he said, and, and then he says, he prays, he said, Lord, that I might die, in verse 4, it is enough now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's, and so... You know, Elijah thought, man, there's nobody else but me. I, I'm 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 just the prophet of God all by myself, all by myself all by myself. You know, he sang that song. And so, uh, the Bible says that he goes out on the mountain, and, and, of course, God begins to reveal himself and passes by him in verse 11 and right through to 13, and God was not in the earthquake. God wasn't in the, in, the, in, the, in the wind. He wasn't in the mountain, but he wasn't in the fire. But, of course, you know, in that still, small voice, God speaks to him and says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah and he says in verse 14, oh, you know, I'm, I'm the prophet of God, Lord. I've been very zealous for the Lord, you know, because of the children of Israel. Everybody's forsaken you. I'm the only guy. I, I alone am left, and they seek to take my life, and so the Lord speaks to him, kind of like rebukes him, and says, I, I need you to go, and oh, by the way, I need you to go and anoint Elisha, because actually, uh, your job's come to an end right now. I'm, re- I'm basically retrenching you, and, and Elisha's going to take over from you, all right? And then he says there in verse 18, Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed them. Bump your neighbor and say, There is no people shortage when it comes to God. Come on, I need you to understand that this morning. Hallelujah. There is no people limitation with God. And if you will not avail yourself and allow Him to use you for His purposes and His glory, let me tell you, He'll just find somebody else. Can I I get an amen in this place? So there's no time limitation. There's no power limitation. There's no people limitation. And number four, with God, there is no resource limitation with Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Right across the campus, I'm here to tell you, there is no resource limitation with God. When you think about how God took five days to create the earth, and He put everything in the earth, that today in 2019, thousands of years later, right, we are still drilling for oil, we are still mining gold, we are still digging out De Beers and diamonds and copper, and titanium, and whatever, 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 and why? Because there is no resource limitation with the God that we serve. Hallelujah. And then when He created the Garden of Eden, after having created the, the, the earth, and putting all the jewels and all the resources, out of that garden flowed four rivers to show the abundance, the overflow of the resources, and one of them flowed with gold. Hallelujah. Can you, can you say amen? Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Psalm 50 verse 10 says, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. In other words, God claims exclusive ownership of everything in this world, including the earth itself and all the creatures that live in it. Hallelujah. Psalm 50 was written in a time when the economy was based on agriculture and animals, such as cows and goats and sheep, which were considered units of wealth, all right? So when God talks about owning livestock, he's not just saying that he owns some animals. He's demonstrating that he is the creator and owner of all of the wealth in the world. Would you look at three people this morning and tell them, my God owns everything. Come on, hallelujah. If God owns it all, he must have infinite resources at his disposal He must have infinite resources at his disposal and he can use them to meet your and my needs and to bless us for the purposes of the kingdom. Can I get an amen? Amen. In other words, I'm here to tell you that God is greater than any business, any government, any bad economy. It doesn't matter how much bad news there is in the media or what the experts are saying. God owns everything and releases those resources. Hallelujah, when we put the kingdom first, when we obey his word, and when we respond in faith. Hallelujah, when we put the kingdom first, when we obey his word, and we respond in faith, he releases the infinite resources that are available at his disposal, and what was his becomes yours. Can I get an amen? Let me give you some more scriptures. Psalm 104, 24. Oh, Lord, how manifold are your works in wisdom. You have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. Haggai 2 and 8 says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord. Hallelujah. 1 Chronicles 29 and 12 says, both riches and honor come from you. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Psalm 115 verse 16 says, The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. If God owns everything and he's put everything in the earth, and then he says, the earth is yours. Hallelujah. If you are mine... I want you to know that I've replenished, I've stocked the earth, and the earth is full, and what is in the earth is mine, and if it's mine, it's yours, and I just need you to understand that there is the kingdom business. I just need you to understand that if you obey my word and meditate in my word day and night, night and day, and begin to act in faith and respond in faith, that what, what I placed in the earth, Hallelujah, what I've placed in the spiritual realm is yours to access. Can I get an amen? Come on, I need you to grab a hold of this. Understand this morning that there is no time limitation with God, there is no power limitation with God, there is no people limitation with God, and there is no resource limitation with God. Can you say amen this morning? And the beautiful thing is that God wants to express His limitlessness through your life, through your marriage, through your business, through your worship, through your serving God, through your everything. Can I get a better amen? I want everybody to stand up to your feet right now. And we're going to declare the declaration that we uh, did for New Year's Eve. I thought it would be a good time just to revisit that, all right? Just to get that flowing again in your life. Just to begin to prophesy that in your life. Just to begin to declare that in your life. All right, repeat after me. Heavenly Father, we declare that you are eternal and infinite. That you existed before time began. And that you will forever be our God. We declare that You are all powerful You are all knowing You are all capable And that nothing is too difficult For you to accomplish You are everywhere all at the same time And yet not divided There's no one above you There's no one greater than you You are undefeated And unmatched And no one runs even a close second place to you. You are unlimited in your power. Unlimited in your authority. Unlimited in your influence. Unlimited in your abilities. Unlimited in your love. Unlimited in your capacity to forgive and redeem mankind. We declare that 2019 will be the year where you manifest your limitlessness through us and that you will do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask think or imagine infinitely beyond our highest prayers our desires our thoughts our hopes and dreams according to the power that works in us We declare that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit flowing in us, quickening our mortal bodies and giving us limitless life and limitless power. This will be our year of manifesting your limitless greatness and goodness to our city to our country and to our world. In Jesus' name, I believe it, I declare it, I receive it right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Amen.